0: Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast, and I'm your host, Brendan O'Neill. I'm a Canadian expat living in Phuket, Thailand, and Fruiting Body is a medicinal mushroom company. Our intentions of this podcast is to connect with people living on the island and share their stories with you. This is episode six with Cara Bishop. Uh, Kara Bishop is a Canadian living in Phuket, Thailand. She's an English teacher and has been here for over eight years. Uh, during this episode, we're going to be talking about Kara's journey from Canada, well, my home country, to Phuket, and trying to understand um, you know, the life of an English teacher on the island. So we're going to discuss all those details and uh, try to get you know, the ins and outs and what have yous. Today, uh, we'll be uh, discussing with Kara Bishop, She is working in uh, Phuket, in Kamala, at Rising Star. Um, She works for uh, an alternative. Shining Stars. Shining Stars, sorry, Shining Stars. (laughs) Uh, We got a lot, it's a lot to remember here. Uh, Shining Stars, and it is like an alternative. Uh, educational school mm. and and let's just dive right into that right away. So yeah, first, thanks. thanks for thanks for joining us, Kara. Thanks for and, having uh, me. And let's giant jump into what you're doing at Rising Shining Star.
1: Shining Star. Shining yes. Star.
0: I'm going to say Rising Star probably <laughs> ten times in <laughs> this podcast. I'll correct
1: you. Rising right
0: Rising Star. And uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that and what that's yeah. all about.
1: Um, so we actually opened 13 years ago, um, and it was uh, essentially to answer the call. Um, that there wasn't really anything alternative to the traditional education systems here on the island um, for preschool, kindergarten and and primary. Um, so actually, Christine Riley started the company and she was actually the one who got me the job and was training me. Um, over the last eight years of me working there at the school, um, she's recently gone back to the states, but all of our staff have been on there for a long, long time. And what we want to do is give these kids an opportunity to play and explore and really just be kids before we start hammering them with uh, academic heavy things which they'll get later on um, when they enter into primary. So our main focus is to get them get them out in the yard, um, getting getting them connected to themselves um, having them be aware of their emotions, their feelings, how do they connect to others, interpersonal relationships, um, and how do they connect to the bigger picture around them? So how do they connect to their environment? Where are we in the world? We're, we're in Phuket, yes, which is part of Thailand, which is part of Asia, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's our, our goals, uh, for these kids. Of course, letting them get dirty, letting them play, letting them explore, ask authentic questions. Um, that's all part of, Part of what we building what we that
0: immune kids. system up.
1: Building the immune system <laughs> we, up. We won't use the c either. word now.
0: <laughs> but
1: yeah, no, that's yeah, exactly. So, w-
0: what is alternative education, and also for these kids, what is the age, uh, age group or age mm-hmm. range at that school?
1: For our lower kids, we take ages two to about four years old, and then in the upper school, we go about four and a half to seven. And that has fluctuated over the years. We've had um, students as old as 10. Um, but it just really depends on who's coming into the island, what families are here. And right now, it seems like we're getting a lot of younger students. So um, that's where we're at. We're, we're, we have okay. between two and seven-year-olds at our and, school.
0: And the school, is it is it primarily Thai? Is it Farang? Is it mixed?
1: It is really, honestly, it's very mixed. We have a lot of different uh, nationalities, and a lot of different cultures coming in. But everything is taught in English. Of course, there's Thai lessons for the students that will be going on to um, Thai educational systems. But everything we do is in English, and you know we've had kids speaking zero English when they start with us, and after a month they're picking it up. So it's pretty incredible.
0: So they're starting from like a, like I say a preschool age. You're saying mm. ages two, and they're staying up till seven, and as late as, as ten.
1: Yes, yes. And
0: and from that during that uh, educational development, how would that? How is that? different than let's say the standard um uh, government school not just in thailand but also you could compare that because well we're both canadian shout out um how, how could you compare that to the standard educational of ages two to seven
1: um i think the thing that makes us stand out the most is really small intimate classroom sizes so we have three teachers to about nine students um, in the lower school, and two teachers to six students, six to seven students in the upper school. Um, so what we, what we aim to do is to teach these kids at their level. Where are they at? Not, okay, you're six years old, you should be at this level. Well, that might not be where they are developmentally right now. So we're trying to look at these kids, and the best way we can do that is having small classroom sizes. If there's three kids versus 30 kids, as a teacher, it becomes a lot easier to see what these kids need and where they're, where they're flourishing, where, they're, where they need a little bit of growth. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest difference. Um, and the other thing is just letting them play, letting them explore, giving them a ton of different materials, giving them a ton of time to um, create things, um, to do experiments, to um, really just have a fully immersive experience of what we're trying to teach them. Part is of our is it a
0: different, like, let's say a typical, could you run us through a typical day of like, mm. let's say a four or five year old and, and what classes do they attend? Is, are there, uh, scheduled classes? Like today is gym, today is math, or is it very open and, and there is, uh, is, what is the program behind that?
1: Okay, so uh, as much as we like to explore and play, um, there there is definitely a reason we give them structure and routine. Kids thrive on that, um. So we do have a weekly schedule. They do yoga once a week. We do <clears throat> math and phonics uh, about four times a week. We also give uh, free play two times a week. So after we do our our heavy lessons like math, phonics, they go outside and play. Then we bring them back in. We do language arts, um, or For the younger kids, it's obviously more creative play, imagination play. Um, And then then we all have lunch together, and then there's one more class at the end of the day. So there is a routine that we go through. Um, We try to get them to target their physical body, so targeting gross motor skills, targeting fine motor skills. Um, Obviously, language is coming through phonics class, but also through story. We read two to three stories to them every day, and we're trying to get them to interact with us what what does the cow say you know for the younger ones we're trying to get them to have a full body experience with these stories with the older ones we're asking them more questions what was your favorite part what, what do you think the character
0: the meant comprehension side too.
1: yes absolutely and that is supplemented with reading and writing skills of course for the older kids that are at that at that stage um, but for the younger ones we're really just getting them you know vocabulary we're trying to get them to be part of the group which is another um, thing that we really value at our school is is Having the kids be accepted by the group, by their peers, um, and once they do that, that's the best learning tool that we can use: social behavior. <laughs>
0: and, and how, like, let's say for like a a math a math class, mm-hmm. is there a, a a teaching methodology that is different than like say a government or standard school? Like, and I'll I'll kind of elaborate on that question. I mean, typically, like, again, well, I, I lived in China for five six years, mm. and. They were drilling, it was repetition, it was memorization. Mm. How do you guys differentiate your teaching methods for, let's say, math in particular?
1: Math in particular. Um, so we have a a curriculum that's broken down by age range. That being said, kids are going to be in different places in our curriculum. We're not going to expect every six-year-old to be exactly where the six-year-olds are at that age right they're coming in with different skills and different situations to our school so we we aim for these skills to be addressed during the year during our 10 months that we're open um but there there isn't any standardized tests we're essentially trying to give them information um and testing them with games and opportunities to practice show us their knowledge um but We're really just giving them exposure to these, to these skills that they'll need once, once they leave, because, you know, Shining Stars isn't the end of the road. They're going to go on to primary schools. So we're giving them the building blocks. More importantly, we're giving them the confidence to, hey, if you don't get this, you can ask me, you can ask for help. Um, and, and that goes back into building these kids up, um, within themselves. So, if you're feeling unsure about something, what are some things that you can do to get your answers, to get your needs met? Yeah,
0: so it's much more hands-on. There's more attention to each kid themselves. I yes. mean, to, a, let's say, a standard government school. you got 30, 40 sure. kids in a class and one teacher. I mean, how, how can they <laughs> Bless they them for them. yeah?
1: anyone who can do that.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's a bit overwhelming, I could imagine, as a teacher. Mm. But um, this being a stepping stone, how would you communicate that? It's bridging the gap between, let's say, their... They're I'm not even sure the terminology, like they're they're pre-education and then going, and where are they going on to from there? What's the next step?
1: So we've actually, as I said, we've been open for 13 years now. Um, Because we have this history, we've seen our students go on to every school on this island, whether that be uh, more alternative learning like life school or whether it go, whether they go into the Thai system, they go into the government schools or whether they go to BIS or QSI, or one of the bigger schools, uh, the more international schools. Um, all of those kids have been successful. Of course, there's going to be uh, that, that learning curve, that, that transition period when they, they change from our school to another school and that's completely normal. Mm-hmm. But we have great relationships with our parents that we've had over the years and we've heard nothing but positive feedback that their kids have been doing. Do you
0: have like a success story that really stands out that you'd like to share? (sighs) So
1: many of them. I mean, I'm lucky enough to see the kids that I've taught and they do come back. And I think that's one of my proudest moments is the kids that leave our school, if they have a break during their school period, they actually ask their parents to come back and hang out with us. We always have this rule, you know, once a star, always a star. Mm -hmm. So we have this open door policy for kids who would, whoever want to come back and hang out with us. And they, they want to do that. They love to do that. And I can see their growth. Um, I can see where they're at now and I can see those connecting dots of, okay, they learned this here. We were the foundation. And to watch them grow into these, these smart, intelligent, confident, little human beings is, is for me, that's the, that's, all the reassurance I need that we're doing something really magical and really interesting.
0: here. Okay. And for shining star, shining star I crushed it All right, <laughs> um, for shining star. Um, where are most of the children um, commuting from? Are they most, are they mostly living in Kamala? Are they coming from around the whole Island?
1: Ooh, um, I would say about 60 to 70% are in and around Kamala. We have, we have some families that come up from Laguna. We had a few coming in from Patong, in and around that area, we've, we've never really had students coming from, uh, you know, way, way, way down in Rawai yeah. or up, up, up north. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the families, interestingly enough, will come do a tour of the school. And if they like us, they will find a accommodation
0: around the school. Nearby, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, we have young kids too, right? So it makes sense for parents. With young kids, they don't want to travel too, too far in the morning.
0: And you're saying how many teachers are total at the school and how many children are total at the school?
1: So uh, we actually had to say goodbye to one of our amazing teachers we've had for about 10 years. So she, she's going back home to Cambodia. So right now in the lower school, we have three teachers. In the upper school, we have three teachers. And with that, we have a cleaner. We have a cook who cooks, um, you know, vegetarian meals for the kids every day. So we have a lot of staff yep. um, for, for that very reason so that we can give the kids what they need and 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 be that support for them. Um, we have two English speaking, native English speaking teachers, myself and, um, and Darren. Um, and, and, and all my other teachers have been there for a really, really long time. We also have a university student graduate who's coming here for work experience. So she's been really lovely to work with too. Um, so yeah, a ton of Mm. staff for maybe at the moment we're at 18, 18 17 kids,
0: 17 kids. Yes. Okay. And, and I'll touch upon you're, you're talking about meditation now this is mm. uh, it's not typical obviously in the government schools, whether in, in us, Canada or, or the rest of the world. Right. Um, have you guys been incorporating meditation into the curriculum since the beginning? And why is that? And, and also from that, how do you, what, what are the, the outcomes? What are the benefits? What have you seen from that type of, Uh, program in itself?
1: So the way we started implementing meditation into our program um, is we actually had a woman from Australia, Nikki, come and certify the teachers in yoga for kids teacher training. So we did that about six years ago. And so we really started it initially to get the kids um, more body aware, more body conscious with the yoga but this amazing thing was happening at the end of yoga was, of course, the relaxation or meditation as we know it. Um, and these really magical things were happening where we were getting two and three year olds able to sit still for five minutes. Yep. And any parents out there will know that that is yeah. <laughs> there's no small feat. So um, it obviously takes time and it and it takes, you know, weekly practice and it takes it takes patience and and energy from from our staff, but um, what I've found with the younger ones, of course, it's it's amazing to see that they're able to calm themselves and self-soothe, especially outside of the classroom if we're in the playground they fall and hurt themselves. We go back to, okay let's you know let's take some breaths together. let's go back to that breathing and calm down and use those techniques techniques that we've been using in meditation. With the older kids, what I can see in the classroom is they're a lot more, calm. They're a lot more able to sit through things where normally at the beginning of the year, before we get into the yoga practice, they get a little bit more agitated. They get a little bit more, you know, they get some ants in their pants, but near the end of the year, once these kids have been conditioned and and been exposed to that sort of, um, that, that break, that, that relaxation at the end of yoga class, I see it in different aspects, um, inside the classroom and outside in the classroom with them.
0: And and is that strategically planned out? Like are you doing this meditation once a day? Is it planned out okay? Let's say math, that could be quite difficult for children at a young age to concentrate yes. on. So let's do meditation before math. Is that planned out?
1: Um, with the, what we do is in our in our weekly routine we do have yoga once a week for them. Okay. But that meditation or those those breathing techniques, oh, they can be pulled out a number of different times throughout the day like I said if they fall down they get hurt you know we go right into that okay let's go let's focus on our breath um it, it it can really be used situationally so if they're if they're just full of energy and they're just a little wild that day we will get them all to sit down in the middle of a, a letters class a phonics class and okay we all need to just take a minute we'll sit in silence and we'll just breathe so um there is the formal meditation at the end of our yoga that happens once a week, but um, the idea of just being able to come back to ourselves, that can be used many, many times throughout our week, depending on where we're at. And um,
0: these kids that are, let's say, joining the school, I'm sure you get kids that join the school from the beginning, let's say age 2, 3, and they stay till 7, 10, whatever. Yeah. Um, what about... a uh, uh, child that's joining at the age of five and introducing them into yoga i mean how do they respond to that are they reluctant reluctant do they do they uh, are they easily able to dive directly into it do they adapt
1: you know what the way we package yoga for these kids is you know respecting your body um having fun with your friends and and Having a moment to express ourselves physically, so it isn't the traditional yoga that you know adults would would know. Um, we do pair it a lot with animal sounds, animal movement, um, you know, things that are in in and around their world. You know, stretch up tall like a tree, waterfall. So um, kids are really quick to get on board with that, even if they're coming in from whatever schooling. Maybe they're five, and maybe they're coming in from conjunct or another school system where they haven't been exposed to that they're really quick to get on board and as i said the group is really important any kid that's coming in that's unsure or never been exposed to this before they're going to look around and see every one of their peers into it and really grooving on it so they're Mm -hmm. selling it for us i don't really need to do much (laughs) they're really selling selling it to these to these kids that are coming in
0: Okay, well, let's. Is there any content like uh, maybe we can pull up the Shining Star website? Crush it again. Uh, and um, is, is there anything we could uh, show from the website that we're allowed to show um, that might. I, I'm assuming maybe you don't have videos of that, or, or even if we pull up the website, is there something that we could highlight from there that. You could, we could talk about a bit, or we're
1: a little bit more active on our Facebook page in okay. terms of videos and content that we put out.
0: So should we pull something up? Is shining that okay? Stars, mm-hmm. yeah. shining, Star- shining stars, Camilla. Yeah. Shining stars. Shining stars, Okay, so we'll give. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think you can. You'll pull it up on the screen, or yes, I'm pulling. Okay, it up. Okay, so he, oh, he's quick. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what we got there. Let's see if it works. We had some technical difficulties last time. Um. No, so shining, there's a lot of shining Kamala stars probably got to type in camp camilla
1: just after yeah
0: shining stars camilla okay there we go let's check out the there we go that's us there we go um and we'll scroll through it and if anything that sticks out that you you would want to discuss let's we can pop that video up and talk about it a little Uh bit um maybe just scroll down slowly
1: so that was our upper school kids. They were baking a cake for one of the teachers that was leaving Piana. Okay. Um so we try to we try to get them baking, cooking, making food once a week, at least. Um, it's also nice we all of these kids right now are coming off two almost two months of an unexpected break. Our our April break was really meant yeah. to be two weeks and as you know. There's been restrictions with the, with the school openings. So all of these kids are coming in basically like from summer break. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to highlight the, the, the best parts of school. So getting them out in the yard
0: and this yard here, this is the school itself.
1: This is yes. So Ah, we've actually moved locations last year. We were just, we were about 500 meters down the road on uh, soy fantasy in Kamala. Um, unfortunately they did construction next door to us. We had to move to another location. Um, and although the yard is a little bit smaller, the indoor classroom space is immaculate. I'm really, really pleased with the, with the teaching space that we have inside the school now. There's also a lot less mosquitoes. There's more coverage for the kids when it's raining. It's, it's just a much better
0: space. Is there anything on yoga that'd be cool to see? Interesting if, oh, that was the, depends if it pops up. Uh, there's some artwork. Who did all the artwork?
1: Uh that's that's me. Uh, I've done effort. a couple of murals around mm. the island here in Phuket, and obviously we had to that's cool. put something on for our school, our beloved school there. So um oh. Yeah, that was that was all done by our we were cleaning and painting and organizing for the last three days before we opened. So it was a it was a labor of love there. But um it was it was hard. It was it was hard having two months off when all of our kids were expecting to see us in two weeks and we went through the same thing last year during lockdown um so the
0: the school was closed completely the
1: school was closed and i know a number of other institutions on the island were trying to do online learning but what we found last year was just with two-year-olds even with seven-year-olds it becomes really challenging to have them sit in front of a computer screen and the magic of what we do as you can see, it's it's when the kids are together. It's when they're with their teachers. It's it's it, this was <laughs> this was a Songkran celebration.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: so we did a little water play Songkran that we do every year. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, what the the most exciting thing happens in the school. So having online learning just it wasn't feasible for us. Uh, wasn't feasible for our families and we got a lot of feedback yeah,
0: how do you put a three-year-old or whatever a five-year-old in front of a computer and oh, ask them to sit there
1: even 10 year olds you guys that's that's incredible i mean kudos to the mm. to the parents and the teachers that that can do that but um
0: there's darren is that darren oh
1: yeah oh, okay. yeah oh yeah we do the tie-dye shirts every year so the kids we don't have school uniforms okay we like to keep it informal but we do uh, tie-dye t-shirts um, and going back to what kind of nationalities, we do have a lot of half Thai kids, yep. half Thai, you know, mixed, but a lot of Thai, Thai kids and a, a lot of families from, from lots of different places, Russia, um, you know, Dubai. And that's uh,
0: good at this age. They're kind of connecting with different cultures and starting to understand, you know, so. You
2: that's the yoga it's class, not I, not, I believe.
1: That is the yoga class, yes. Ah, okay. So, um, as you can see, it's, it's a lot of props a lot of games um, mm. but while still working on flexibility, body coordination, balance, all of those important things that really ground them in their body. Um, and I think it's, I think it's something that really needs to be put into the curriculum in all, all schooling, in not just in Thailand, but beyond. I think it's, you can see the benefits for their focus, for their, you know, their body awareness, but um, I don't, other than gym class, which I'm yeah. sure you remember from, from growing up in Canada, we never really had a time to work on flexibility or coordination. or
0: Yeah, this do, this doesn't really <laughs> exist in Canada, no?
1: It, from what I know, the only country that's been really um, progressive in, in having yoga as part of the curriculum is Australia. And that was the, the, the founder of Yoga for Kids, Nikki, who came over and she was doing it in Australia and we were like a a guinea pig, a test run to see if, hey, can we do this with two-year-olds? Because she was doing it with her, her youngest seven- and eight-year-olds.
0: And, and the owner of this school, are they Thai? Are they Farang?
1: So the owners now, uh, Thai, yes. Yeah, so PA is the owner of the school uh, and her partner, Marcus. So he's from Germany, but he's been living in Asia for a really long time. Okay. But PA has started, uh, you know, as a teacher in the school and worked her way up um, and now she she's the owner and and rightfully so because she knows the ins and outs of that place like the back of her hand so um she's an amazing amazing person to work with and uh i'm really lucky to be to be part of this team and um to be accepted into this family mm. uh, because that's what it is at the end of the day you're 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 working so closely with these students with these kids with these with your staff you know it is like family and uh um f- being away from family, living yeah. on the other side of the world, it, it does become challenging at times, there, especially during these last, uh, this last year with the lockdowns and restrictions. Um,
0: so when, when's the last time you've, you've been home then?
1: So I was home two years ago, and I was really trying to get home this summer. And, yeah. uh, you know, as it goes, yeah, gotta, it didn't work, work out. It out. didn't work out this time. But uh, I'm hoping to get my parents out here again here
0: soon. So. Will you plan to what's holding you back from going about? is it just the dealing with quarantine at the moment and all that stuff or
1: um yeah it's it's just a lot of work and also i need to be i need to be at the school I i can't i can't take the time off right now since we just opened so um the timing just it isn't right and getting back into thailand i think is my my concern
0: and how, how long have you been in Thailand? Have you been in Phuket the whole time?
1: Yes, actually, I I landed in Phuket, and it was by chance. Um, originally, when I was when I was in Canada, I was coming here to teach English, and it was only supposed to be for maybe four or five months. As and everyone does. Yeah, <laughs> then, everyone does. It was. It was and then everyone happier. stays for <laughs>
0: the rest of their life.
1: Yeah, and it was actually the course was supposed to be in Samui, and so. two weeks before. They sent us an email saying, hey, unfortunately, that location is closed down. So you was have to take Was tef- it a Phuket. TEFL course? Or? It was a TEFL okay. course. Yes, yeah, so it was a TEFL course. And so I had never heard of Phuket. I had done all my research on Koh Samui. Um, I don't know. It's an island. It looks uh, okay. I mean, we don't really have a choice. Yep. So we did it. And and I came down here with two of my girlfriends from back home. Um, and we landed in Phuket. And we thought it was amazing. We did the TEFL course. And you know, ended up staying a little bit longer and and a little slow to get a job right off the bat, as you as you know, Phuket's yeah. a fun place to be. Yeah. <laughs> you meet people. There's so many cool, interesting experiences. Um, and yeah, I'm we. So, I'm stayed sorry. What
0: year was that, Kara? Oh, that was
1: 2013. Yeah, that was 2013. Oh, that's <laughs> true. so. <Yeah>.
0: 2021. <laughs> and, oh,
1: yes, God. and that, that okay. and then.
0: Did you jump right into this position or were you in another school before this?
1: No. So what happened is after we got the TEFL course and it was, you know, it was time to get serious and, try and start looking for for work. Everyone had told us, look, you're not going to get a job in Phuket if you don't have teaching experience. It's not going to happen for you. And we had heard it numerous times through, through, through many different people. And we were like, okay, okay, we really like Phuket, but it just sounded like it wasn't going to pan out for us here. Yeah. So we ended up, um, going through an agency and they've found all three of us, the, my girlfriends and I, um, a job all in chanbury all, all Canadian. All okay. Canadian. Yes. They're from Ontario. I'm okay. from, I'm from Calgary. So yeah, you're from the East coast. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so they got us a job in chanbury which was, oh, it's like about an hour outside of Bangkok. If I'm
0: yeah, it's quite quiet out there, yeah.
1: It's it it was it seemed it was near the ocean. We thought okay, it could be like Phuket. As so we jumped on a plane, we went and oh my gosh, it was nothing like Phuket. It was like a big dirty city and it mm. the ocean it was like a it was more like a port town, port city, should I say? Yeah. Um and the school they told us we were going to be working with with you know, younger kids, junior high. And we got there and there were high school kids. They didn't have a curriculum. We had to write the curriculum and it was just the anxiety levels were just mounting. Duh, 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 duh. And
0: <laughs> and before this, you had no teaching experience. So it's kind no, of it's no. your first, you're jumping into it. You have, you have kind of limited understanding from the TEFL of how to build a curriculum.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, building a curriculum. I, they told us, don't worry, we have it for you. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you get there and, oh, actually, sorry. No, we don't. Um, yeah. So we were trying to be really cool and roll with the punches, and no, no, let's give it a chance. It's okay. So we got there on the first day, and we just looked around, and we were like, "We, oh, this, this is, we can't do this. This is, this isn't for us." So we tried to politely decline the offer, um, and there was a little bit of misunderstanding. But essentially, at the end of it, they said, "Look, we have your passport information. Mm. You are tied to us by contract." And uh, you can't leave. And so <laughs> the fear it, the fear was rising in us. So I'm going to be honest with you. We yeah. actually ended up ducking out of Chonbury very quickly. And it was like a mad dash, throwing the suitcases in, getting in a tuk-tuk. I lost my wallet. A tuk-tuk driver came back, found it for me in the middle of the road. At getting to the airport, we were just a complete wreck, thinking yeah. that we were going to get I don't know, stopped by immigration. I don't know, something was gonna happen to us.
0: Nothing was gonna happen. Nothing was gonna happen. <laughs> no. But in our
1: heads, oh my gosh, they have our passport information. Yeah. And we, you know, we got on the first plane back to Phuket. And I remember this feeling of landing in Phuket and we were just touching down and seeing the lights of Phuket and seeing some sort of familiarity. And it was the best feeling in the world. And it's funny because anytime I fly back into Phuket, I have that same feeling. Yeah. So it's always oh, like our savior. We're like, oh my gosh, we're home. Especially
0: yes, when you're back. flying over like Pangna Bay.
1: Oh, and, uh, yeah. and you start recognizing, okay, that's that. Uh, so that, that sold it for me. I was like, okay, Phuket, that's it. Phuket is for me. Um, But I did give it a fair chance to try. How long did
0: you stay? (laughs) How long did you stay in Chungbury for like a month?
1: Oh, no, it's, it was um, about a total of, of three days.
0: Oh, that's quick. Oh yeah. Get us (laughs) the hell out of here. It was quick.
1: (laughs) We, we tried, we tried, but um, yeah. And then, and then once we were back here, it was like, Hey, we have to be really serious about trying to find jobs. And um, I was actually going to hand out resumes to another school. I believe it was a Swedish school in Kamala. Yeah. And, I had my resume printed out and I was driving around and I drove by the school and I, you couldn't actually find us on Google maps initially. Um, you know, kind of looking at, okay, there's a bunch of kids. There's, you know, this looks funky, cool. There's a garden. It's, um, and I, and that's when I met Christine and, and she told me, no, look, we don't have any vacancies right now. Our, our teach, our teaching positions are filled, but, Oh, Hey, you're an artist. So my, my background's in art. I have a, I have an art degree and so, so yep. does she. So that was the connection. And then about a week later, she called me saying, hey, look, our, our teacher for the lower school for the, for the kindergarten, she has to go back to America. She, she has a funeral to attend to. Would you like to come on and we can start training? So it was, oh, yes
0: and everything this is all quite quick like uh, you've left Chambury, you've landed in phuket you found this job and this is at shining star at this point this
1: is yeah this was at shining stars what about your
0: your other two friends did they join as well or did they go elsewhere
1: so they one of my friends bonnie she actually uh got a job as an au pair as a nanny working for this for this family and she was actually really close with them and stayed for about three to four years here with that family and she really, really liked that. And um, Alice and my other friend, she got a job at a government school. Um, so she had the, you know, traditional teaching uh, experience that most people have here yeah. with, with you know, not, not a lot of experience. They get their telephone, and they go into a government school. Um, so it was interesting seeing kind of both worlds because I was having my experience, which was non-traditional, and she was having her experience. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting comparing notes and and seeing. And she really loved it. She loved she loved teaching, and she 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 stayed on for two years. Um, but uh, I was really grateful to to end up where I ended up yeah. at Shining Stars. I'll just say that That's it was very much more at my my alley.
0: <laughs> so let's uh, again, this is not a plug for Shining Star. We're just diving into this information. <laughs> I mean, they're not paying us here. But um, let, let's backtrack a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe let's go back to your university. So you're you're studying art at university, yeah. and let's bridge the gap of that story between completing university did you jump into a job in canada and how did you make the decision to come to thailand
1: so i had been going to school and i'd been taking you know five course loads and really trying to get it done in in four years i wanted that four years For i didn't a want BA five in years. arts yeah uh, okay. bfa yes yeah. um and fine, i had fine arts that yeah. ba- yes bachelor of fine arts. Yeah. and um I had been working as a, as a waitress at the time, trying to make money while I'm going to school. And is this in Calgary? This is in Calgary. Yeah. So I was born and raised there and yep. I, I never left. So that was, gotcha. um, it was, it was, I was really burning myself out. As you can imagine, it was five course loads. And and then it was working every day, yeah, uh, after lot. school. And after I graduated, I was waiting for that. Okay. And now here's my career. Here's my amazing artist career. And, okay, no one was waiting, you know, to hand me this this golden opportunity. And, and um, you know, f- for what I wanted to do, it didn't feel like there was a lot of opportunity. We're, we're an oil heavy city. Yeah. Um, and so there was jobs in corporate art, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to dive into. So um, I kind of just stayed in serving and it was just that monotonous routine of, of burning myself out yet again and doing something that I wasn't passionate about. Yep. Um, and just feeling like, there was, there's got to be something more than this. There has to be something. And, and that's really what sparked it. There was something inside me that, you know, you just, it just builds, builds, builds. And it's like, I got to do something. I got to travel. I got to get out. And then I'll come back and, and have my big girl job, have my real job. Yeah. Um, so the Thailand really came up because, I mean, who doesn't want to go to Thailand? It's so attractive. There's elephants. And there's were you temples. here? Have you ever
0: visited here before? Or?
1: Never been. I, I had known, I've known friends that have come here and obviously they have rave reviews, but, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was Thailand was just very attractive to me. It was beaches. It was sand. It was everything I wanted. It was what jungle.
0: was this aha moment? You're you're are you're, you're, you're a waitress. You're serving at this point in time. You're trying to find that golden opportunity. And when, and everyone has this story, in my opinion, that comes over here. What was that aha moment when you're like, you know what? Teaching TEFL, Let me learn about this. Let me make that move. Can you recall that day, that memory? How did that all click?
1: Honestly, I have to credit it to my mom. She was the she was the driving force. She was the one that kind of forced me to pull the trigger. Um, and it, she was just, you know, you have your whole life to to settle down and and to to get a job and to and to start um, back here in Calgary. But take this opportunity, do it now. You know, you just worked your butt off for four years um burning the candle at both ends um go go see things meet people go explore so with her support it it really helped and the aha moment came when I booked my flights it was that moment that I clicked it and it was confirmed and I knew it was something was going to come of this and something big um so it, it started there, but you could, you could feel it building up until we actually got on the flights and we, you know we landed here. but um, the one thing about Phuket that I, I find the most unique I've traveled to, to a couple different places in the world, but something that I, that keeps bringing me back to Phuket is if you really want to do something or if you're really passionate about something or, or if you're feeling like um, you're motivated uh, or inspired by something here, there's something about Phuket that makes that happen a lot faster than anywhere else in the world. And I don't know, I don't know what it pushes you to do it, (laughs) pushes you to do it. But not only that, but it gives you the perfect circumstances to meet people that would allow those opportunities to come up. You will meet the right people. You will be at the right place at the right time to overhear a conversation of something. There's just something really magical about this Island and, um, um, I don't think it's happening by chance.
0: Well, it could, I mean, have to do with the ocean. And a lot of people are attracted to come to Phuket because of the scenery. And it's quite, it's it's an easy lifestyle as well. So there's a certain type of person that is attracted to come here. Um, and also those people that have taken the leap. I mean, it's not that that, that easy. Did you have, like, uh, any doubts before making that decision to get on that plane of what am I doing? Should I do this? And... and Could you run us a little bit through that?
1: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I was, I was, I've never lived um, away from my parents. So I was, I was living at my parents' house all through university. Mm -hmm. So this was the first time I was leaving them this was the first time I'd be living on my own and it it was my first time in Asia. So there was just a lot of newness and there was, there's those moments where you're, you're sitting up late at night and you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? This is crazy. This is crazy. Um, And then you have a lot of people back home that maybe haven't traveled or a little bit more, a little bit more cautious. And um, you know, they're asking you like, are you sure about this? this, Do you really want to do this? Have you thought it through? So there's, there's those doubts that come in um, from your head and also from, uh, outside outside influences as well, so um I think it's I think there was a lot of times where it was like this could be the worst decision of my life, but luckily it, it wasn't it was the best decision of my life
0: do you, do you still have like uh we won't name names, but do you still have those those friends or those voices uh from people back home that still question it
1: i think I think after eight years of being here um even if they are questioning it. It really doesn't matter anymore. Their yeah. opinions mm-hmm. are very low on, you know, on the, uh, on the, sp- on the spectrum of, of really valuing what they think anymore. I, I, there was, there was about the first two, three years when I, when I moved here and I was going back in the summer to visit friends and family and, um, you know, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. you you know, it, it looks so incredible over there, but when are you coming home? When are you going to come back and start your
0: life? Why do you think they asked that question?
1: it might be it might come from a place of just of of fear of of oh i could never do that so they couldn't possibly imagine someone else doing it and let alone someone in their family or or that they're close with um in terms of being friends with them so it might just come from a place of fear and an unknown which is totally normal um but over the years, I, I I realized I was really trying to sell everyone on what I was doing here, and I was trying to make it really important, trying to really have them understand why I was doing this, and, and um, after a while, you just stop trying to convince people. Mm. It's not...
0: Do, do you do that? Do you convince people anymore, or do you kind of, it's more action and showing your, your lifestyle and living by it, and do you kind of, those voices or that that background noise, is, have you completely eliminated that? Because I, I mean, I can say that from experience too. I've lived in Asia 10 years and I completely agree. The first two, three, four years, you, you question, do, uh, don't I need to go home and work yes. in a corporate job? Sure. Should I be doing that? And then honestly, after the fifth year, you're like, hell no. <laughs> nah.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think it's after four years. I think four years is up and there's some sort of timer that goes off in you where you're just like no no this is it
0: which like for me personally it's it's you start to realize that this becomes home and that is not
1: absolutely it's Calgary will always be home for me because of you know because of friends and family um but yes that that concept that idea of home um it doesn't necessarily have to be where you were born or where you're raised um or what you know what country you're your passport says you're from it. It does definitely become more of a feeling, yeah. Um, and it's it's hard to put that into words, and it's hard to uh, convey that to people that don't understand that. Um, so yeah, that just stopped becoming important to convince them that this was really somewhere that I felt confident and I felt safe, and I felt like I was doing something.
0: Yeah, unique. And Phuket is it's it's quite comforting. It's an easy lifestyle. Oh. There's no matter, you know, everybody, you go through these uh, negative mind loops of why am I here? What am I doing here? Should I get back? And then the second you look at the beach, you're like, no, <laughs>
2: this, yeah. is,
0: this is the right decision. So we have a question from uh, one of our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is,
2: Kara, uh, what are your plans for the future?
1: Ooh, that's a heavy question, isn't it? Um I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I'd like to. I'd like to stay in Phuket. Um, I'd like to stay in Phuket for for a while. Um, it's really hard to plan anything more than a year down the line. How long have you been here? Um, it's been eight years. Eight years. Yeah, and there's been a number of times where I've I thought, okay, I've I've had enough, and it's time to try something new. But um, keep coming back. Um, I'd like to explore, uh, you know, my art. I would like to get involved in uh, NFT. I know that's a hot oh, topic. Gotcha. Recently, yeah, I I'd know. like to explore um, the digital art world and see what can happen from that. Amazing. Um, but yeah, just. Honestly, I don't know. I I just like to be happy. I just like to be stress-free, happy, living near the ocean. What,
0: what are your thoughts on... <laughs> you? I'm assuming you've done some research into non-fungible tokens, I have. Uh, NFT. <laughs> uh, wh- what type of research have you done into that? What have you found? Why do you want to get into that?
1: Um, as an artist, I think it is a really brilliant opportunity for artists to have a say in what's trending in the art world. Whereas, um, you know historically it's been the curators it's been gallery owners that have a lot of money, um, that can say what is trending. Uh, this takes that power into, um, the artist's hands. And it also, this technology is, is really interesting for me. Um, you can actually make money if you sell your, your NFT, um, and and you, you sell it for a certain price, you can actually make a percentage every time it's resold in the secondary market. So that's pretty unique for art. Typically, you don't keep getting uh, a kickback um, every time it's sold afterwards.
0: How does NFT... I have an idea how they work. I think it, NFTs, the concept is probably similar to how cryptocurrency was. We un, People understood it, but they didn't know, how do I buy? What is it? Where do I get it? And if you don't know how to explain that, do you understand the process? Like if... Someone, if you had an NFT, yeah. where do people go? What is the platform? How does that work?
1: There's a couple. Um, there's OpenSea, I which is OpenSea, nice yeah. for, for emerging artists that don't really have a large following. Um, but there's some other ones like Rarible um, where you actually have to get invited in. So that's obviously the end goal once you, you get a, um, a nice a body of work and people start recognizing you. You can actually apply or get invited into these. Um, essentially, they're like online galleries, re- really, and they are curated. Um, but for for emerging artists, there's free ones um, like OpenSea. Yeah. So people scroll through. How how it was explained to me is there is a ton of people right now um, that that are investors and they want to get into NFTs and there's this many artists involved. And reason being is artists typically aren't tech savvy. a majority of me, myself included. We're not tech savvy. Um, so we haven't really uh, we don't really know much about that world. So, um, there's all of these people, there's a ton of people that are investors that want to buy NFTs and this many people making them. So right now is a great time to get in.
0: So you would create your digital art and you would put it on this platform like OpenSea. Um, are, are people, is it like an auction or they can just, just, they can buy it immediately? Like for example, you only have one quantity in the inventory or 10 or 20. How does that work?
1: So I think you can create collections and you can set your price, but you can also have auctions. So, okay. you know, for the highest bidder, um, it, it really depends. And I'm sure there's there's tips and strategies for new artists specifically. Um, but the other thing too is you really have to see what's trending right now. And artists are great at that. They have an eye for what's what's fashionable, what's what's working, what people are attracted to. Um, so which these investors don't necessarily have those skills. They just, they have money. They want to buy things. Um, they want to, they want to invest in, uh, in, in things that they think will be trending. So, um, it's, it's a pretty cool way for artists to, to have a say in the art world and also to get paid, to get paid. (laughs)
0: Um, I don't know if this is a, maybe it's, it's more of a, a, a personal opinion question. When you you talk about that as artists, we know what's trending. Is that kind of uh, an oxymoron in the sense that, well, who cares what's trending? I'm the artist. I want to be free and develop to design my own art. Or does the trend direct your art?
1: That is, oh, that is completely subjective for sure. Um, I think it depends on each artist. Like, what is your end goal? Do you want to sell a lot and make a lot of Ethereum? Um, if so, then you're going to look at what's trending and start making art to feed that, that need. Um, if you're just in it to, to throw your art into the world and Hey, if people are into it, great. Um, then, then there's space for that too. But the interesting thing is, is these, these online spaces have room for, All sorts of artists, yes, and and everyone in between. What
0: strategy would you take on? Would you take on, okay, what's trending? Let me design art based around trend, or would you design art based around personal opinion and passion?
1: I would have to do personal opinion and passion. Um, I've done a couple um, commission pieces before, And I'm not going to lie, it's actually uh, a lot harder. Sorry, what
0: does that mean, commission pieces? Uh,
1: Paintings, I have done for people. um, And it's actually a little difficult to stay committed to those pieces when they're not your ideas, when you're doing it for maybe someone else. Um, So if, yes, if I was honest, I would say I I would make art that's for me. And if people like it, great. Um, The idea is it's good enough that people will see the value in it um but uh hey I, the goal isn't to be you know yeah, I mean, an ethereum uh, millionaire yeah.
0: <laughs> as an artist i, I mean the the I, i'm i could be wrong but what's it's not the, the the money and the trend that would drive the artist it's staying true to yourself and the passion and what, that that's how you're going to be inspired and create your own art would you say if if money came into play or trends came into play is that going to drive your art in the wrong direction and maybe that's a bit of a rhetorical question
1: um potentially you'd have to feel it out for yourself if you're creating art and you've completely lost interest or you're just begrudgingly doing it or just turning it out and there isn't really any substance to it then i think you have to look within yourself and be like "Mm, have i lost that spark have i lost that 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 thing that makes my art unique and, and important to me. If it's, if it's important to you, great. If it's important to others, but if it's not important to you and, and you're just, you're just selling it to sell it. Um, I don't know. Is that really art then? <laughs>
0: and, and what, what is your, your style of art? And for me, honestly, this is one school of thought in my life. I've never dove into, uh, and in, I would say in the arts, like I, I am horrific. I can not <laughs> if you ask me to draw something, I'm absolutely horrible. Um, so maybe you could talk about that a bit. Like, what is your art style, and and what does that mean to you?
1: Um, as as I've kind of grown and developed over the years, it it tends to be more um, graphic novel esque, um, black and white, really saturated colors, um, usually with the female form, because you know. Women are beautiful and and, and, <laughs> and this is fine art so you're
0: doing it uh, Painting, with, with yeah uh, so acrylic paint typically. acrylic paint. water watercolors.
1: watercolors yeah pen oh. and ink um, so switching to digital is really interesting too because you're getting used to a completely different medium so I'm really curious on on how these artists are switching from maybe a, like a two-dimensional art to digital art that's also another completely um, big learning curve that I'll have to do they
0: take like if you're let's call it uh I don't know maybe the terminology would be hard art and soft art hard hard, hard art being you've made it by hand mm. soft art meaning is digital um for are people creating hard art but selling it digitally so I, then like and I'll just I'll explain that a little bit more meaning like you create this fine art um with your acrylic and your style and whatnot um you sell it digitally as an NFT, but as someone buys it digitally, you would also ship them the original. Is that, is that something? And again, I, I I don't know from experience, so I'm just kind of processing it live now.
1: I think it, it likely could be done, but how I understand it is if it is an NFT, it just exists digitally. Mm. So the physical artwork you could keep for yourself, right? That could be a physical, piece of art, but the digital rendering yeah. that you, you create, that is what's sold and then resold on the secondary market. And mm. um, But, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure that can be done. But with these specific spaces, I believe it's just the digital.
0: Just the digital now. Yeah. Is there an art community in Phuket that you can connect with?
1: Um, uh, I'm going to say yes, but I'm honestly... <laughs> I, I'm a little bit lazy. I, I know I should be going out. I should be going to galleries. And I know a lot of people that do that. Um, I, (laughs) yes, I, I like street art. So public spaces are where you can see street art. It isn't necessarily having inside of galleries. Although there is some amazing galleries like in Bangkok, uh, like the Mocha and Arum gallery, um, which are doing really cool, interesting things. Have you been to them?
0: Have you been to any galleries in Thailand?
1: Uh yes so um in Bangkok I've I've been to those two but uh in Phuket no to be honest no. there isn't a huge huge there's and I could huge, be wrong it could be wrong there's
0: not a big art scene here
1: There isn't a huge art scene Are here
0: Are you familiar with Goldie, yeah, he's in Kamala. I, I, I've seen a couple of his, his uh, on his Instagram. It seems like he has his own studio he for does. art in Kamala.
1: Actually, yes, I know his wife uh, as well, um, Mika. I've taught his daughter Coco. Actually, oh, uh, shining okay. stars. Ah, there you go. <laughs> There's the connection. Okay. Um. Yeah. He he does some. He, he has some stuff in the Arum Gallery. Um. And
0: this is this. Where is this gallery? This it's is in, Phuket? in Bangkok. Oh, it's in yeah. Bangkok. Okay.
1: Yeah, and I believe. He still has a um, he still has a number of pieces there now currently mm. um, but yes I'm familiar with him and he has some pieces around Kamala too he's done some some graffiti pieces uh, stre-
0: street art yeah street art. Have you been to I think it's uh, Peng, a Penang? Penang ah Penang in uh, uh, Malaysia. It's that the oh, island that most people would do a visa run for. Have you ever been there? I
1: have. Did have you see this, wicked art. the yes. street art? Yes. You can
0: go on like these street art tours. Well, you kind of just have to Google map it and yeah. go around. Have you? It's amazing.
1: It's, it's yeah. It's it, you can do it self directed for sure. But uh, yeah, they have a really cool uh, street art scene in Penang. I Actually, miss doing visa runs. I know that sounds silly, but <laughs> the things that you miss when you when you don't when you're not required to do them anymore. But uh, yeah, they had in um. In Kuala Lumpur, too, they have a a couple of funky uh, areas that you can walk around and see some interesting stuff.
0: Is there a lot of street art in Phuket? I've seen, uh, like, for example, some people are doing designs at Hugo Hub and, Mm -hmm. uh, like, over at Sutai Sutai Muay Thai. They've done some uh, murals there as well. Is there any, like... Or do you have to kind of keep it on the hush-hush underground? You don't want everyone showing up.
1: (laughs) Um, Any murals that I've done, uh, I've gotten the permission (laughs) so i've never had to do any sort of guerrilla style you know show up at night and um but i from what i've heard i think it's it's fairly easy to do just don't get caught essentially right um but you can there's a number of places here where you can see that street arts have come in and do they
0: have anything like that available like maybe not just google or it could be an instagram account of like let's call it the street art of phuket where you can you can locate all this street art and maybe, you know, if you were to drive it a- around the island and go see it for yourself, kind of Phuket and the street becomes its own gallery.
1: That would be, that's, that's a great idea, Brennan. <laughs> well, that. Oh, patent pending, <laughs>
0: patent pending. <laughs> Stay tuned for yeah. it. No, no, we, we've taken on too many projects. But I'll give that, that one's yours. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take that one out. <laughs>
1: awesome. Um, not, not that I'm aware that's of not though, a, but that's a, a really ability. great idea. That's a great idea. Interesting. Um, and the, interest, the the cool thing about Phuket is, um, you know, street art. You think more uh, industrial cityscapes where this art is existing. Um, with Phuket, we're so lucky because we have this lush vegetation that also gets incorporated into the art pieces, too. So um, that's pretty
0: unique for Phuket friends. is its own canvas. It is,
1: isn't it? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, so let, let's, we, we kind of went off on on this art tangent, Mm -hmm. which is, it's great for me. It's, it's, it's interesting to learn about because again, this is something that I would never go on Google. I wouldn't pick up a book just because I'm wearing too many hats that I cannot wear anymore, but it's something that I've kind of written down that at some point in my life, I, I will indulge in that just not right now, maybe in five, 10 years, maybe when I'm (laughs) a bit older, and uh i'm less adventurous which i don't even know <laughs> what that means to at this point down yeah <laughs> but um let's jump back a little bit because I, I think <clears throat> um one part i wanted to discuss because i went through this as as well so it's your journey um you you've left uh this job as a waitress in calgary you've made the leap um to do your tefl in Koh Samui. uh you didn't find any jobs there it didn't work out you've come to Phuket and you found at at a uh, shining star almost slipped got it (laughs) shining star and um is there much more to that experience is there anything that you would have done differently from the beginning that you would and this i think this could go out because i I believe this content will be interesting for people that want to come to southeast asia or actually go i don't want to just say teach english but also live abroad so Mm. Um, the question is more or less like, is there any advice you would give? Is there anything that you would have done differently from the beginning uh, for that, um, to to give that information on that leap from leaving your home country to uh, the unknown?
1: Um, I don't think I would have done anything different, to be honest, because I wouldn't be where I am here today. Um, but I think I would have... I would have let uh l- people's opinions um I would have valued them a little less I think it would have made that transition a-, a whole lot easier because I think um we're always vying for um validation like I'm I'm on the right path I'm doing the right thing maybe from from our parents or from our friends or our peers um and and Once you take that leap and you really find your footing in a place where uh, you find your purpose, um, all of that stuff that you you used to think was important becomes a lot less important. So I would say just, you know, do it. Mm. Buy the ticket. The worst thing that can happen is you come back. That's the worst thing that can happen is you, you, you go there and, hey, it doesn't work out you can always go back but do it just buy the just ticket just go
0: make just take that leap take
1: and, the leap for sure for sure and and hey you don't know where you're going to end up and do
0: you think the TEFL is necessary
1: ooh good question or is it a, uh,
0: can i put uh, uh, an insight here
2: what's up i don't think it's necessary Wait. because hey. I, I work as a teacher <laughs> before and i don't have the TEFL. No. <laughs>
1: i think they might be making it a little strict more strict now. Now, yeah. But I agree. I think before it was. It's, before. it's an
0: organization that you're 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 paying for some certification. But uh, anyways, I have my opinion on that. Let's hear yours. Uh, <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> was my TEFL experience necessary for what I do now? No. Um, did it look nice on a resume? Yeah, for sure. Um, it helps. But you know, if if someone likes you and they think that you're going to be an asset to their school or their or their you know their their business? Um, no, I don't think
0: so. It doesn't, it doesn't matter at that level.
1: There wasn't really any amazing skills that I learned in the Tuffle course in the, what was it, three, four weeks um, that I could say, yes, I, I couldn't have taught without this mm-hmm. piece of information. So um, it was more just experience, right? It's just getting, getting in and showing up on your first day where
0: you're teaching and you have
1: no idea what you're doing. You have no idea how it's going to play out. And um, and then just showing up the next day and the next day—that's the, the more valuable. Yeah, experience.
0: I think the TEFL, in my opinion, is it's kind of a, a it's a blanket, it's it's a, a comfort document for anyone looking to make the leap that's a bit hesitant. Sure, and it gives them a little bit more, <laughs> you know, reassurance. Like I can yes. do this. But the reality is, I, and I I taught English in Taiwan for a year, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't do the TEFL. I I, I got hired from Canada, but. Um, I mean, this, this document, if you, it it gives you that reassurance so that if you jump into that job, you kind of feel comfortable, but I can imagine, and I I can't give that opinion because I didn't do it, Mm -hmm. but I could imagine that the TEFL and jumping in the position it's, but once you get that jump into the real world experience, that TEFL is basically it didn't teach you anything.
1: Absolutely. But you don't know that until yeah, you until get until the you experience. It. So yeah. it's, it's you know looking back, it's like yeah. hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I agree. I agree mm-hmm. with what you said about um, feeling like that that safe step. Okay, so first I'm gonna I'm gonna arrive in Phuket, then I'm gonna take my course, and then I'm going to, and maybe that's that's what people need. But is it necessary? No, it depends on you personally. If you can just show up at a school and be like, hey, I'm here to teach. Yeah. You know, great. <laughs> I, think, I think
0: it depends on the person if if they're comfortable. Um, making that leap. But but I mean nothing against TEFL. Hopefully we don't get <laughs> shadow banned on shadow banned on YouTube for this. But if you are if you if you are hesitant making that leap and that TEFL you feel would make you feel comfortable, yeah, go do it. But if you're like confident that you could just jump in and find a job without it, yeah, do that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Do it. Um the other thing too is you could always come here and and then try to find a tefl course but hey in the meantime maybe you get a job already so it is a it's like a nice buffer right yeah. do i really want to teach this is kind of dipping your toe in this is what it might be like is it really like that probably not yeah. but this is what it might be like this is what you could expect and then hey maybe you, you realize i don't really want to teach i want to do something else i want to be a dive instructor yeah whatever um But uh, I think the important thing is that you just get here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I I think, in my personal opinion, I I think most of the schools that are gonna hire you online, like digital, like remotely from your country, are probably not the best schools. The better schools that are gonna hire you are the (laughs) ones that are here, and they are better because typically in Asia, you need to show up and meet the people to get hired.
1: Yes. Right? Yes. And
0: these better schools, in my opinion, they they have the power. They don't need to go online because everyone's lining up at the door anyways. Yeah. So maybe uh, do you agree with that? Do you disagree I with that? I do agree
1: with that. I for sure. I I putting an ad online um and hiring someone from overseas, you know, once you get there, well what kind of school is that you're just going to grab a teacher? And also for the students, right? Like your teacher was just grabbed online. Yeah. No, no offense against your students in Taiwan, no, but no, 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 <laughs> not
0: not at all. But it, it's like um, if you if you're a school in wherever it could be anywhere in the world, and you're an, an English teacher school, you know, and it's usually it's bridging the gap. I would say between finishing university to they say it's it's not not a leap year how they how they say in in, in the UK or whatever that that year off they take. Right. Um, to the corporate world. Okay, I'll go teach abroad. And usually people will do that, but I feel that like if you're finding these jobs on online, well there it's a bit of a red flag. Mm. Maybe I don't know not all the time for sure, but otherwise these schools could probably find people in the country that are there already.
1: For sure, especially in Phuket, there's so many yeah. or there was <laughs> so many people traveling here that they they had an abundance of of teachers of of really good quality teachers to choose from. So yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with, you know, applying online and, and having these ads for.
0: for Yeah. My, mine was in Taiwan, but I just, uh, when I left my stories, it's kind of similar. I don't even know if I've told this on the podcast. I
2: can't. Not yet.
0: Like my story is a bit similar. Like I was, I graduated university. I studied in university of Toronto. Then I went to, I did a study abroad in Australia, came back home, did, two years at bell mobility at like the corporate head office and you know, bumper to bumper traffic every day for two years. And then just one day I'm like, wow, this is horrible. Like, Who the hell wants to do this? You see the corporate ladder and you see the guy at the top and these guys are working 60 hours a week and they're burnt out and they're not even getting paid that much. So basically what I did is one day I was just driving to work and I quit. I said, this is mental. I'm like, well, I am a 45 minutes bumper to bumper traffic getting paid pennies mm. Uh, this isn't for me. So I just quit and I had some friends, uh, teaching English in South Korea. I'm like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And he gave me a website. So I just went on that website and it wasn't just South Korea. It was all of Asia. Just Mm -hmm. some database like probably doesn't even exist now. And then I, I just applied to every single job and forwarded my resume. Two days later, I got a call from Taiwan. They were the first to respond. It was a British guy running what's called like a Bushy ban.
1: Bushy ban. Bushy ban
0: in Taiwan. Uh, so it's basically like an after school ed- English education program, which is 100% a scam. <laughs> these kids don't learn shit. Uh, I mean, these kids come once a week after school for an hour and it's teaching English, but Daycare. they don't, they, it's, <laughs> but they're older. Like the age can go from, I was teaching, I think like eight to 15. So like they can learn. It's just, it's the same in Canada. It's like, okay, this week we're learning French. For one hour, do you speak French? Maybe. Ugh. I doubt it.
1: Un petit peu. Yeah. No. <laughs> no.
0: But same, same as, same as me. Like we, we learn French from age, I don't know, eight, nine to like 15, 16, But I don't speak a lick of French, um, and that's because it's one hour a week, once a week, and then there's no immersion. Yeah. And that's the same with these bushy bands. So, anyways, I kind of I went off a tangent there. But so this guy responded to me, and he was British. And he saw my resume was decent. I, I mean, I had my bachelor's uh, for business administration and I had some corporate experience. And he was basically like, yeah, just come over and I'll, I'll give you a job. I'm like, do I need TEFL? He's like, nope, I have all the program, all the material. Just come over. I'll teach it. You. you don't need that shit. I said, all right. So he con- I, I applied. Two days later, he contacted me. And a week later, I hopped on a plane. So all this went from wow. quitting to on a plane in like seconds. I didn't even think twice. I'm just like, <laughs> just do it. And I was 22, 23. Yeah. Um, and even when I got there, the owners of the school were, they're they like, I'm like, so these kids will learn? They're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not, that's the, yeah, the, that's the business model. Yeah. The business model is they know that teachers are looking, they hope to get a full year out of them, maybe two, and it's just high turnover. And you come in, and you, there's some material. And then you move on. So that was that was kind of my experience on on, on that. And uh, for me personally, I, I couldn't I didn't like teaching because I, I had to st- I stand up the whole time and like <laughs>
1: no sitting.
0: Oh yeah, I couldn't take my feet were killing <laughs> me. But anyways, yeah, I found. Um, it, I, I guess this point is more about the Tefl. The Tefl is mm-hmm. not necessary if you well, get the right school and the right manager to give you some direction. Eh, it's pretty simple.
1: Absolutely, it definitely depends. On who's going to be training you and and how they're going to in, integrate you in um, that's way more important than the Tafel, in my opinion um, so no you don't you don't need one <laughs>
0: did, did you I found for me personally did you find that like my level of English got better by being an English teacher?
1: Oh my goodness uh, my mom always says this when I go home to Canada she says that I uh, pronounce my words more clear yeah. when I speak to her um and it's definitely from teaching for sure you have to slow it down and you just articulate everything a little
0: bit and you start to better. understand the grammar in more i don't want to say mathematical terms but like in terminology like superlatives yes. and i mean if we look back at that and i mean we speak it. English is the, our, our native tongue. So.
1: Yeah, isn't that the funny thing? You don't realize we're, we're just doing it all the time and then you really break it down like, oh, okay, that's why it's like that. And I'm, I'm constantly learning too. That's the great thing about being a teacher.
0: But then you find, don't do you, for me, I find that now that you understand English from teaching it, when you start to even listen to, let's say, uh, uh, it could be a sports uh, hero of yours or a newscaster or, or someone just in general on TV... Even people who are native, they're not speaking proper English.
1: Mm, that's like, true. They're not using
0: the correct their, there, theirs and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs>
1: you become a little bit more critical. Yeah, a, little a little bit little more bit. critical. Yes. That, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's 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 funny when you work with younger kids, especially if they're coming in with no English. Um, the rate at which you speak to your friends, as soon as you walk in that door, like you drop way down and everything is slowed down. And it's interesting how you just naturally start to switch that um, when you walk
0: in. So. And how about when you go home? I mean, here, I, I don't know if it's too strong, but like my, I don't think our Canadian accents are that strong. But oh, when you go home, do you completely change?
1: Oh, um.
0: Oh yeah. I Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, I think if
1: there's some, some, alcoholic beverages involved I think the the Canadian comes out yeah Um. but I I notice it more when I talk to my friends I can really hear when
0: you call back home at,
1: yeah, yeah or their voice notes it's like oh wow that's oh yeah that is a thick <laughs> accent there and uh, I don't know I, I it's hard to tell with yourself but I would imagine it would it would flatten out over time.
2: Could you guys uh, yeah. play that out? Uh, because I cannot tell. No, how we, is a, how
0: is a Canadian accent? Can you I, talk? I, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: know. there you oh, That's great. We, there. You can't
0: really put it on. It's more like when you go back home and you jump in a conversation, it just comes out.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Like especially you if you just get say, excited.
0: Yeah, you can't just say, yeah, <laughs> put it on. I don't know. <laughs> it's not easy like no, that. No, 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 no. I get made fun
1: of by my boyfriend a lot. He's South African. And so there's words that are... Quite funny for
0: different <laughs> for vocabulary that yeah. we use that they don't Chesterfield and Chesterfield like an or <laughs> sitting on a Chesterfield like that. <laughs> yeah. oh, you a toque.
1: No one, know, no one uh, idea what that is. Toque. It's yeah. a, I guess it's a what, what is, is it? A
0: it's a like a, a, beanie? a beanie, like, a, hat. like a, a, hat? Hat?
1: A, hat? a knit, a knit. Oh. Oh. Wear in the
0: winter. Yeah, we have some terminology or Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Carrie K- was mentioning, uh, talking about your future plans in Phuket. Mm. Uh, let's avoid that a bit then for now. Oh, um, I- let's jump into the lifestyle of Phuket. So anyone looking to come to Phuket, like uh, what is yeah. the the day in the life of yourself? Like how, how could you run us through, let's say your Monday to Friday and your weekends? Like mm. what, are, what are you doing?
1: Um, I think there's a little bit of, Everything for everyone here. Um, that's the nice thing about Phuket. You can do the yogi retreat. You know, go up into the mountains um, and and live in a in, live in a hut. You can do the the party party um, nightclub scene. You can do the beach sports thing. It's uh, you know you can do the digital nomad thing. There's just there's just little pockets around the island that serve. Um, something for everyone, yep. and I, I like that diversity about Phuket. You know, you travel a lot in Thailand. You go to different different places, and uh, for me, when I travel, there's always that question: Could I live here? I always I always play that through my head: Could I live here? Um, and there's places that I love in Thailand, Koh Phan Yang, you know, uh, Chiang Mai, but could I live there? I don't know. There's just something about Phuket that. You know, if you want to if you want to wake up early and go to the beach for a swim, you can do that. If you want to go to a yoga class after, you can do that. If you want to go and get really nice quality um, vegetarian food, you can do that. Um, if you want to go shopping uh, at a at a shopping center, yeah, you can do that. If you break your laptop and you need a new one, you can. It, that it's all accessible here.
0: Um, yeah, it's really. I think it's the, it's a bit uh, egotistical, I guess, but I feel Phuket is the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. It, I've had this conversation with many people. I go, mm. tell me another place in Southeast Asia. Tell me another place in Asia that's better than Phuket to live. I mean, <sighs> I've lived in China. I've lived in Taiwan. And I've pretty. I've been to every country in Asia, mm. pretty except for Mongolia. But ask me where I would live, I would always say P- Phuket. I would travel to places, but nowhere in Southeast Asia has what Phuket has. International airport that's 20 minutes away. Yeah. It flies everywhere. Anywhere you want direct, pretty much, besides like Bali. But you just, there's usually a connection, Bangkok, yeah. Singapore, things like this, or Hong Kong. Um, international schools that are like world class. I mean, we have world class shopping centers. Mm. World, We have movie theaters. You have the beach. You have beach clubs. You have nightlife. You have golf. You, you have any type of sport if you wanted to pick it up. Um, the roads are quite safe. The infrastructure is quite Good. I mean, the water's fairly clean. The food, you could eat any, pretty much anything you want.
1: Absolutely. In terms
0: of, there's fine dining here. If you want to spend 20 baht on a meal or 50 baht on a meal, or if you want to spend 5,000, 10,000 baht on a meal, you have that option. Yes. I mean, if you went to, let's say, the Philippines, where would you, you're not going to live in Manila. Mm. and There's not like an island, like you're not going to live in Boracay. mm Great to
1: travel to. Great to travel
0: to, but I've had that uh, uh, discussion with people. There's really nowhere else in Southeast Asia that this even exists, and more importantly, it's super safe.
1: Especially, especially as a as a female, you know, you you travel to different countries, and um, that is a huge factor. Um, I've always felt incredibly safe here, and whether. I'm at Seven Eleven at three in the morning. Whether I accidentally leave my bike key in my bike, um, I've never had an issue. I've never, I've never had a serious issue here, and I've always felt like the locals are incredibly kind. And they are. They Matt, the amount of times I've broken down on the side of the road or I've, or I've had uh, scooter problems, within maybe three minutes, there is someone that is pulled over and helping me. And and where do you get that anywhere in the world? Even in yeah. Canada and we're no. supposed to be one of the friendliest countries. Would that happen in Canada? I don't know. Maybe in the summer. <laughs> Maybe if it's winter, no, <laughs> no way. I don't know. Um so yeah, it's I, I agree. Phuket is it's a very special place and mm. it has it has all sorts of things. It, whatever 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 your poison is, you can you can find it here. For me personally, I like to get out in nature. I like the yoga thing. Um there's hikes, there's hiking trails all over this island. Um, you know, especially now with with the lack of of tourists, the oceans are stunning. The marine life is coming back. You know, it's amazing. You can look out and see dolphins swimming around. You know, there's so dolphins here. Ah, at the, yes, in Kamala during last year, you can. What? You can see Yeah, oh, it's, wow. it's amazing. Turtles are coming back. Yeah. It's. Um, those are the things that you you have those moments and you're like, yeah, I'm in Thailand. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm in Thailand, you know? And, uh, sometimes you get used to it when you live here that it becomes part of your routine, but there's moments that just snap you in. Like,
0: what's your favorite thing of Thailand? Like what if, if something at the end of your travels and your journey, when you're uh, seven years old, sitting in a rocking chair with Kyle, (laughs) 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 what, uh, what, what is the one thing if you look back on not just Phuket, but Thailand in general, and that stands out of why you love it here? Um, that's probably it's a really hard question that
1: is a hard question but one of the main things that stands out is the food the Mm. food I love food Uh, Thai people have just they have perfected it they have these balance of flavors sweet spicy sour like everything they're just they're just doing it right here Um, and the other thing is again the people the kindness and, and and the compassion that you get from from the locals here yeah um I'll never get sick of that. I and will especially never. Especially when
0: sick they of realize that. you're not a tourist.
1: Yeah, there's that switch of like, oh, it's you're here. It's a switch. It's a complete switch. You live here. Yeah. Um you're you've committed and especially through this last year like we've we've all kind of gone through this uncertain time together. Yeah. And it's almost like it binds you closer with your neighbors and with
0: can your you speak a little bit of thai is that like even <laughs> like a sentence or like you know you don't not not you don't have to no. do it for the mic <laughs> you no. Me on the spot. no no uh, but um, i mean like when you're pulled over or you're in a situation um, you know that if you say a couple things in thai they know right away you're not a tourist yeah like are, are you able to say something to them
1: i i know enough to get by to get by yes yeah, i can be polite i can you know enough to know that you've been here for it's
0: like you've been that here for a little it's bit. the unwritten rule where like i'm not a, you don't need to know how to say i'm not a tourist but you say yeah. a couple things like oh she's not mm-hmm. a tourist okay
1: yes exactly and they leave
0: you alone and they treat you yeah. a bit differently
1: they do and there's it's there's it's more of that playful kind of tie banter that you get with them too and you yeah. know my my tie is limited so there's an extent in the conversation where it's just
0: yeah for sure um
1: but uh, yeah it's it's just there is that 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 kind of like oh you're not just here for two weeks and then yeah. leaving like it it is nice it's nice to it's I think it's important to learn Thai when you're here you don't have to be fluent but just yeah, to it's learn a some very
0: things. difficult very difficult oh language my gosh, I no. mean I I speak really well not really well I would say I'm like a six out of ten in Chinese mm. and I'm like a two out of ten in Thai <laughs> but like you would think I would be able to pick it up pretty quick and it's
1: a tonal language similar to.
0: Chinese is tonal as well, but it's not the tones in Thai. It's mm. the pronunciation, like the, like the pronunciation, let's say of like NG, like peng na, and mm. then like, it's these, and it's the, some of these words, they're, they're very difficult to pronounce.
1: Absolutely. And we're, our mouths aren't used to they're forming them.
0: Used, and a lot comes from here. And like, it's, yes. it's, I've tried, I learned Thai. I did three months, um, with a tutor and actually my first visa here was a educational visa. And what's, there's a kind of a, not a scam, but it's an, how how do I say, no, it's not a scam at all. It's um, a prank, I want to call it. When you first, anyone, I shouldn't even tell this story because (laughs) like, I want everyone else to go through it. But like, when you do your, when you do your first education, have you ever done an education visa? I haven't. Okay. Okay. When you do your first educational visa, any education visa school that's going to give that to you, they... Don't tell you the reality of getting that visa. They say, oh, they basically say, no, 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 you got to study Thai because there's a test at the end of the year. It's a joke. (laughs) That's that's the prank. So what happens is at the end of the year, you actually technically are supposed to go to a government office and write Mm -hmm. a Thai test. Now, I had to go write this Thai test, and I put it off for the whole year into the last two months. And I was so nervous, freaking out. <laughs> I taught myself to write Thai for two months. Wow. And then I showed up. like So I, I, I learned the con- consonants and the vowels. And there's like 60 consonants and 40, 30 vowels. It's insane. Um, so I, sh- I, I learned as best as I could. And then I f- I'm like, I'm failing. I go into this office and to write the test. And I start actually answering questions and writing in Thai. If you ask me to write now, no way. This is five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing in Thai. And then the lady in the government office just comes up and goes, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I got to write the test. No. And she's like, no, give me that. And the Thai lady just takes it and answers all your questions <laughs> and submits it. And then I go back to the lady. I'm like, I wrote, I was studying Thai for two months, learning the language. She's like, ha Good for you. I'm <laughs> like, "Call oh, you. Oh my God. So That's I don't, I didn't want to tell that story because I feel everyone else should have that experience. Yes. But, um, I don't, I forget what we were talking about exactly, but. Uh, anyways, that was uh, that tangent. But, oh, about the Thai language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very difficult to learn. I've downloaded some things on, I find Pimsleur works for me because it's audio books mm. um, and it builds up on foundations of conversation. Uh, I think Rosetta Stone in Duolingo is a complete to time to be mm. honest you're just gonna learn like yes. 50 pieces of vocab and have no idea how to use how any to of put them. Together. Well, yeah.
1: and the thai they speak in bangkok is different than the thai they Completely speak here in different. phuket so you go to you know you're feeling confident speaking your your island thai and you go to the city and people are looking at you like
0: yeah, you sound like a southerner. Like, I
1: know how to ask for a spoon. Why won't anyone give me a spoon? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You totally. You have like that, uh, that yeah, accent.
0: That, that like. southern accent, which is it's very comparable, like in in China as well, but in mm-hmm. Thailand, like it'd be like someone from New York going to, let's say, Georgia. There's a distinct accent. We don't sure. really. I find I don't really hear it too much. Uh, I hear it in China because my level's a bit higher, mm-hmm. but at Wherever you are in any country, maybe even South Africa, or I'm sure for sure in Brazil. Brazil a lot. If you're in the north or the south, there's definitely different accents. yeah. And it's hard to understand each other as well.
2: In Brazil, we have a funny thing that uh, you can tell where they're from just by their accent. yeah. Like the exact state. Wow. Just by the way they're saying, like, oh, you're from Rio, right? No. Oh, you're from Sao Paulo, right? But yeah. for
0: someone that doesn't speak Portuguese, and That's I hear exactly. Portuguese, it's all the same thing. You me. can tell, yes. Yeah, you cannot tell. In South Africa? Yeah, just by the way they look, you can
1: tell they're from Joburg or Cape Town. Like they're dressed, yeah. the way they're dressed.
2: Yeah, just the so way they're dressed. You can tell, mm-hmm. like that person, Joburg, that yeah. person's from Eastern Cape, Cape Town. By their clo- by the, clothing.
1: clothing. Clothes, their style of hair.
2: How they
0: carry themselves.
1: Their mannerisms. That. Like, you can go out and like, look,
2: like go, like Joburg, Joburg, Cape Town. like
0: just. I guess this. that's the same in Canada, too. You could tell someone from Calgary to Toronto pretty quick. Like as stereo a stereotype yeah, a stereotype. Yeah. Right? Everyone yeah, has yeah. their stereotypes. Like, like a
1: tradey type versus exactly. someone who's from, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um going going back to your story about writing the Thai test. Oh god, yeah. I had a I had a my girlfriend Bonnie, the one that I came out here with, similar situation. She was on the education visa for about two years and then Something some restrictions tightened up, and they were they were kind of cracking yeah. down on the education visa requirements. So um, they told her, "Look, you're going to have to write a test." But this was a an actual test. She actually had to test. And so she was freaking out. She's like, I don't know what to do, but they gave her a list of what the questions would be. Obviously
0: all in time, which doesn't matter anyways. It doesn't <laughs> ma- Yeah. It was line squiggle, line squiggle.
1: Yeah. So uh, her, her boss, her employer wrote all the answers on her hand. Okay. So she went in, but she was sweating so much. For so sure. So nervous. So all of the ink was like all over her hand, but she wrote. She wrote the test. Like she, she passed. Everything was fine. She got another year on the education visa. It but seems they
0: don't do it anymore, though.
1: I they. This was again. This was like five years ago, yeah. five six years ago now. So I think definitely things have changed.
0: Yeah, rules in Thailand. You know, they change like clothes every yes. day. Yes, you never know what's going on. So you just roll with the punches. And-
1: That's another thing about living here is you can't take yourself too seriously, and you can't if you're a stickler for rules. Mm, Game over. I don't think you're gonna last too long. <laughs> you gotta right. be pretty. If you're German easy or going. German
0: or Swiss, you might have some trouble <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just yes. go. I mean, there are no rules. You drive and you keep going. What are what are your thoughts on the driving here? How, what's your strategy?
1: Oh man. Um I'm a fairly I'm are a you, slow driver. Okay, so and you're not Kylo. aggressive. I am not an aggressive driver. No, I'm a I'm a slow driver. I've never I've never rode a scooter until I came here. No. And I actually learned on this main road here, right by Surin Beach, going yeah. into Chantelay, which apparently is one of the most dangerous roads on the island. And uh, I remember the first day we learned on the side roads and we were feeling really confident. Okay, it's time. We had we had met some friends who were also in our TEFL course, but they had experience driving scooters. Okay, it's time for you girls to go on the, on the main road now. So we were like, okay, we're feeling good, we're feeling confident. And we're going, and we're going, everything's fine. And then we see the most horrific thing and it was... A scooter was driving the opposite direction. and There was a dog in their sidecar, and the dog jumped out. And it it uh, it was—I'm not going to go into details, but anyway, it was—it was just not a lovely experience for your first time on a scooter on the main road. So, um, yes, I mean, there's, there's, there's—I feel like everyone's due for a little, a little, you know, crash on the bike. Not, not a horrific crash, but you know, there's like time that you're due. I have, yeah, I've got, I've got some. What happened? I got some tie tattoos.
0: You got some tie. Oh my.
1: Sorry, mom. Um, you remember when Seren uh, used to have catch just over here? It was on catch beach. Club I, no, I, was I came Sarin. in
0: 2016. So I, as I arrived, <gasps> okay. the bulldozers were wet. Wha- so I came actually April 2000, no March 2016. Okay, and the bulldozers came out. I think April 2000. I remember I was supposed to go like ah one weekend. I'll go next weekend, and the next weekend it was bulldozers.
1: <gasps> you never got it. You never, I never got went, the full. Yeah. Oh, so Seren, was. Back in the day, back in the day, I get to yeah. say that now. Sarin <laughs> um, was amazing. It was, you know, just beach club, and oh, it was, it was incredible. It was really, really, really cool. Um, and we were going to catch, but we were taking a back road up and over the dirt hills. And I had, uh, I had my girlfriend Bonnie. The um, dirt hills. What do the mean? dirt. Just these hills here, just to cross over oh, okay. onto the beach road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And it was dark and. Um, we had had some drinks beforehand, yep. as you do, Yeah. and uh, and and again with just those random things that happen in Thailand. Someone had strung a a hose across the path. The hose was black. It is nighttime. You can imagine we we went over the hose and we went down. And you know you, you dust yourself off and everything's fine. We got into catch and you know the lights are on and oh my goodness, we are covered in blood. So in catch, you know it's it's a it's a pretty high-so place. You know, yeah, people like fancy. to dress, dress to impress. Um, we had to get out of there, needless <laughs> to say. We were not fitting in with the crowd. It was not cool. We had, you know, deep gashes all up our knees. So, I, yeah, I still have a couple scars from that. But That's, your, wood, that's your only
0: horror story.
1: I had one recently oh. uh, last year, but I was really, really lucky. I, I hit oil, and then I, I somehow, like, hydroplaned over, and I, I got maybe a tiny scratch on my knee and one on my shoulder. I don't know how it happened, um, how I didn't get more injuries, but I was, I was thankful.
0: I was praising. Yeah. It's uh, uh, did it just rain?
1: Um, it was, it was a little rainy, but it was just, it was just oil on the road and it looks like water. Right. So, you know, it happens. And if you touch
0: your brake, it's, oh, you're
1: yeah. you went out, but again, people just jumped up and helped me right away. People had like wet wipes and were cleaning me off and helping me fix my bike. And so, um, yeah, I think everyone's due for a little,
0: Little road, little
1: rash. road rush here. If you're not, yeah, it's a
0: uh, careful. It, it, a lot of people forget <laughs> that, especially the Kamala Hill. When you when you leave Kamala to go to Batong, that hill's a bit sketchy going down. It is because uh, and people this this information you should know. It's especially during the high season when it doesn't rain for who cares? Uh, it could be a month, two months, whatever, and then you get that first rain. All that oil that's settled comes mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. and it turns to an ice rink, and even if you don't touch your brake and you're going down that hill because you're even if you're on like a 150 cc scooter, you can just slide right out. It's yeah. An, so I tried after those first rains. I, I actually avoid driving for like and staying away from the hills at least.
1: Yeah, that is wise. That is wise, especially yeah, if you're not experienced. No. There, there, there is a learning curve to becoming comfortable driving here on the scooter. Um, the nice thing is too, you can rent a car. You, there's, you know, lots of grab taxis. There's a lot of transportation. We got a bus, right? We got the yeah, there is the, the Phuket Phuket bus. Yeah. That was a long time coming. I know there was some issues with that, but that's a thing now. Yeah, you I had can a take buddy it the take to the it.
0: It's pretty decent. It's, it's not cheap. that, and it, apparently it's not that long. Like if you hop on it at Surin and you mm. want to go to Niharn, it's still only going to take you an hour, an hour and a bit, almost equivalent to driving because your your motorbike it doesn't stop that often. It right. just stops in every district quickly. Yeah. And I think that was more or less that was built for the tourists because they couldn't get around.
1: Yes, definitely. It's not, it's, Phuket's not one of those places you can just walk to one area to another. I mean, anyone
0: looking to, I always, I never know which camera to look at. Anyway, (laughs) hey, uh, anyone looking to like move to Phuket, they need to realize you need to ride a motorbike. If you can't ride a motorbike here, you're going to be stuck in, you know, walking distance of wherever you live
1: getting an international motorcycle license is also yeah. not and, a bad idea.
2: And you don't get to know the island at all, you know? No. Because yeah. that you need to drive around. If you really want to know the island, you need to drive around.
0: For yeah. your, what what's your favorite part of the island? What's where where would you My where goodness. do you like to go most often?
1: Um I I live in Kamala, I work in Kamala, so I love Kamala. But if I'm going out um Niharn is beautiful. Yeah. Niharn rawai area for food, for beaches, just for something a little different. It feels like, it almost feels like, we were saying this the other the other weekend. It feels like you're going to Copenhagen. It's like a little day trip to Copenhagen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you get the yogi kind of cool uh, cafe vibes. Um, but, you know, it's 40 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: um, a, it's a, and a lot, of, a lot of, the ride's nice, but. The
1: ride is nice especially now with not so many cars on the road, you can really cruise and the beach road, oh, the coast road is incredible. Like especially on an,
0: like on a, today's raining. I mean, you wouldn't want to do it on a day like today, no. but on a clear sunny day, it's a great drive. Oh,
1: it's yeah. It's yeah. those are those moments where you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm in Thailand and you get those vistas, the sun setting over the ocean. You're just like, Oh, this, like I want to bottle this. Yeah. It's
0: amazing. That, that's, that's for me. Like that's my, my biggest fear is going back when I go back to Canada and then you wake up in the morning and, you're kind of restricted to wherever you are in Canada because everything's so far away, unless you live downtown Toronto, which is maybe the most boring city in the world. But um, <laughs> You, you're, you're stuck. Okay, I got to get in my car. You know, I got to go find parking, pay $95. And then, yeah. and, but the freedom of the motorbike is like, that's my favorite part of Southeast Asia. It's, yeah. Especially like the ability to, okay, there's a dirt road. Let's go see what's down there.
1: Yes. Okay,
0: it's a pack of dogs. All right. Yeah, back. <laughs> turn back, turn back. back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that is, it is freedom. You're right. You, you have a lot more freedom to just explore and to see and um, to get off the, the beaten path as they say when you have a scooter when you have a
0: when you have a oh it's great this is this is one thing i i cuz i i had it in taiwan mm. for a full year um and taiwan is, is the weather's not great uh the winter can be cold like not cold cold but 5 maybe 10 but when you live on an ocean 5 or 10 feels like minus 10 it's fr- cuz it gets uh, deep in your bone yes. but and i'm five, sure
2: ten not cold Oh, me is the word ending, man. Oh, at least <laughs> it would not last, yeah, so, last. <laughs> oh, no <less.
0: laughs> but it's Taiwan was the freedom as well. You can just rip around on the motorbike, you go, it's more for mountains, and like you, you see the natives there way up in the mountains, and they're completely different than the, the locals down in the cities. Um, but going to waterfalls, and you go bouldering, you go through creeks, and all that. And then I moved to China, and in China, in the cities, specifically for Shenzhen, they banned uh motorbikes actually i was one of the last ones to have a motorbike there um, wow, really? so in in shenzhen you they didn't want any more motorbikes because people were going around and stealing purses right Oh, so okay. I, I had an electric motorbike i had a gas at one point but then the police eventually chased me down and took that <laughs> um you, you weren't even there's a point like after the second year i lived there you couldn't go to the gas station So I used to send my security guard to pick up gas to fill it up. And then eventually, one day, a police just pulled me over and took it. Um, That was that. Yeah, that was that. And they were like, yeah, you're going to jail. And I spoke Chinese. And it was just one guy. But the police in China, they're not big. They're quite small. Mm. So one guy won't take you out. So I hear him call for backup. And I just gave him my key and just...
1: <laughs> but um self.
0: and then you get on these electric bikes and then you're limited. You can't go far. Yeah. Also you're in China, you're in a city. There's no there's no mountain. There's nowhere to go.
1: Well the air quality too. You're ah, it's exposed horrible. to the elements, right? garbage.
0: But then moving to Phuket when I you get back on that motorbike, like some days if you've had a long or hard day, I love to just do the loop from here. All the way to Nithon, where you kind of rip through like the National Park, past Banana Beach, come back around and I loop and I come back kind of through. There's a little couple side roads that you'll come up almost by artisan, like all the back roads. Yes, there's rubber plantation. There's Buffalo out there. And like that, that is therapeutic to me. Sure, because like you just get on your bike, you can put music on if you want. If not, you can just go with your thoughts and just you know that's the day. And you could do that. It takes a good hour, and then you come back home, and it's like oh, that's paradise.
1: <laughs> that yeah, that, there's also a lot of running trails here, so yeah. that's another thing I like to do here. There's there's so many good places to run, and same thing. You Where? just in Camilla, right? Actually, in that area you were talking about up by Project Artisan, okay, uh, back in the old Tananda, really? <laughs> the whole Tananda area, Tepecasaje, I believe it's called. Um, but you know and there, there isn't a lot of traffic there's the, there's cl- uh, tree coverage so even if you go a little bit later in the day you're not in the in the heat of the sun where,
0: where do you go where do um, you enter where are these I'm not sh- familiar with those where trails. would
1: you start so where is Tananda what is that area it's called?
0: like we'll call that uh, yeah, that's b- Tepkasat it's actually it's, the area is called Bangjo. okay Bangjo, because uh, that's like I used to live up there as well hmm. for about a year um, but uh, where do you access the trails
2: I think you might access then uh, on that road to the airport yeah you know that uh, o- uh, uh, r- okay. road uh, through the r- rubber trees yeah, okay. plantation okay. when okay. you go into the airport there is some trekking trails cutting okay. the okay. Mm-hmm. Before Night On, I, I know about the one too, like uh, f- f- uh, between Banana Beach and Night on, there is a trekking trail I know on the right one. side. Yeah, yeah, at the bottom, and then you go the right. And you go right, yeah, yeah that one.
0: Yeah, some of them are, I, I've been off, I don't want to say off-roading, kind of, but I was still on my motorbike, which I shouldn't have been, and then you can go right through the rubber plantations, because they need to drive through there. Yeah, yeah, and then you get in the middle, and they're looking at you like, "What the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> but I mean, you can't do that when it's raining. You, there's no way.
1: No, no, no. But the, the, yeah, there's just so many little hidden gems, gems around the island. Um, and being on a scooter is definitely a highlight. Going, you know, going for runs, going for going for little hikes around here. There is so much like dense jungle here too. Um, the the landscape of Phuket is also really varied um you know the east side of the island versus the west side the north versus the south like it's all
0: it's quite diverse the island's it big it is
1: it is and then you can you know and then you can jump on a boat and go to pp you can go to colanta you can go to you know all of those other little islands in and around yeah
0: phuket's, phuket's a good hub for for jumping off kawalak or, yes. yes. or Um yes. outside of phuket what, what uh, would you reckon, recommend people would see first or let's let's rephrase that like when you have friends visit you in Phuket, yeah. do you give them an itinerary of, hey, you got a week, <laughs> this is what you should do?
1: Oh, it's so funny when you've when you've lived here a while, people will people will come out of the woodworks, especially people you knew you haven't talked to since like high school.
0: Yeah, for sure. My
1: brother's cousin is coming, Absolutely. and I need to know how much money he needs to bring, and I need to know uh, for two weeks what should he go see. And for the most part, you know, you can give them the the basic copy paste of what. What are the, the main sites? But it depends how in depth you want to go go with it. But um, and and also what they're interested in. People have different budgets. They have different interests. They have different um um things. You know, you're not gonna send your one friend who's really into like clubbing and partying. You're probably not gonna go send them to the silent uh, retreat, retreat up north there. So like, you got to kind of gauge who your audience is. But um, definitely anything in the water. So if they're into diving or snorkeling, um. Any of the little islands around here, uh, Koh Lanta is one of my favorite islands. I love Koh Lanta; it's mm. it's really cool. Um, but yeah, it it really depends who you're selling it to. Um, but the food, you know, there's like the top restaurants. I have like a list of restaurants around Phuket that
0: I recommend. Around Phuket,
1: people. yes. Um, the night markets, markets are always a, a an interesting fun thing for people who've never been to, well, been to Asia or been to Thailand. It's like, and then for us, it's so all like, of it. It's,
0: it's, we get so used to it.
1: We're, yeah. We're so used to it, aren't we? But you get to see it through mm-hmm. their eyes. If you're, if you're doing it with them and you're, it, it, it it's, it's cool. It's the novelty kind of comes back and you're
0: like, yeah, it's like you're on a vacation again as, as they, they join
1: totally. through your eyes. Did it's, you
0: find like the first couple of years or, or maybe four or five years living here, you felt you became a tour guide for friends that were visiting? Yes. Would you, yeah. did, did you, let's say like, I'm sure everyone has the same story, but like those first five years when people came, were you, did you give a lot of energy to people coming and has that diminished over time?
1: <laughs> yes, for sure. I think sure. it's a,
0: it's a weighted question.
1: It, uh, yeah. <laughs> any of my friends that are watching, yeah. <laughs> right. um, yes, you, the first couple of times you have people out, you're, you know, you're the the best host, yeah. you're, you know, you're gonna take them to the best places. And um, you know, even if you work the next day, you're, you're gonna go to above and beyond to make sure that they're having this, the most amazing spectacular time. And uh, you also take it really um, serious. Like it, it's, you take it personal if they don't have a good time. Like say you take them to the favorite, your favorite restaurant is closed. It's like, oh, you know, you're personally guided. Like, oh God, I wanted you to experience this so bad. Yeah. But you know, over time you realize all of it's new to them. They're, they're having an amazing time, whether they're just sat at the beach, you know, yep. you don't have to entertain. Um, so yeah, the, the, the level of, not the level of care, I guess that's not right to say, but the, the level of attention has kind of, um, it becomes more relaxed and you, you, you know, do this, do this, do this, you yeah. know, you And decide, if I see you. Yeah. I'll I see you. you. I see
0: yeah. you. And,
1: um, you become less of the tour guide and more of just, uh, you're giving suggestions. Yeah.
0: Cause it, it can be quite draining, especially like, you know because when they show up it's i compare phuket to vegas it's very mm. transient mm-hmm. right, let's say so like when people come it's like you know they're just in transition they're coming through they're going a lot of the times they're they're going to pp they're going to colanta yeah. it's like phuket sometimes can be a transit place i would say for most people that come here
1: i agree like for sure. they're
0: usually doing let's say the route okay we land in phuket we do a couple nights in patong but our goal is we're going to pp from PP we go to Krabi and maybe Lanta and then from there we go to Copenhagen Kosamui. that's hmm. usually the I would say the, the trail
1: yeah yeah but
0: most people that come to Phuket in my experience and, and people coming to visit they're not actually coming to Phuket unless no. they, maybe they're a family and they're coming to a resort but let's say the backpacker the friend traveling yeah. through southeast asia the
2: main the main travelers uh, that i met here and uh, because i i got in contact with some people from agencies in brazil they don't put phuket in their itinerary at no. all it's just really? a hub yeah people don't come to explore phuket Unless they're doing their own itinerary. But all keep, the agencies... Keep pumping that that agency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they use Phuket just that's as it. a hub. Brazilians, uh, they usually go straight to PP or Al and Rayleigh. Yeah. They use Phuket mm-hmm. as a hub because of the airport. They can get some good deals. But they stay here one, two nights and that's it. And usually
1: in Patong. And yeah. usually in Patong. Usually on Usu- Bangla. On right. Bangla Road. See, yeah.
2: very
0: I, I think the reason they do that is because they know in Phuket you can't see it without a motorbike. And you don't mm. want these people on tour to be ripping around, injuring themselves, second day on it's their 10 day adventure. Because yeah. all these places, let's say, PP, Bangalore Road, don't need a motorbike. PP, don't need a motorbike. And then yeah. Rally Beach, you, you don't need. Just so walking. you're putting in these places where they can be completely safe.
2: Safe and uh, walking around. Yeah. And, uh, because here it's a hard island to Very go difficult. around. It's big island. It's yeah. bigger than Singapore, this
0: island. Yeah. It it's especially, and again, you cannot see this island without a motorbike. It's impossible. Yeah. And that, that's the problem. You get a lot of people like, if you come to stay at Surin Beach and you can't ride a motorbike, you're not going to see Phuket at all. Mm. It's just no way. And then you might get a bit bored because walking distance to everything without one is quite far. You're walking 10 minutes from your hotel, to the beach, to the restaurant, and that can be a bit, you know, it's not as uh, user-friendly, let's say. For sure. Yes.
1: The other thing I noticed too, I don't know um, if if you guys have experienced this during your travels, but... When you tell people you live in Phuket, do you get some of the, why? It, it, it's, it's, it's almost like yeah. people equate Phuket to Bangla, Bangla Road. Yes. But yes. I love that.
0: Yes, but don't yes. come to Phuket. Bangla Road. Yeah. <laughs> well, keep that, keep <laughs> yeah, they, that they only stereotype Pad- up. They yes. only know <laughs> Patong. That's Phuket yeah. stereotype.
2: Patong and Russians. That's, it I that's find
0: true. that's a good thing. <laughs> you want to limit the tourists. Sure. Right? Like in, in that sense. Like, okay, yeah, go to PP if the more people that find then how are we going to catch the waves at Surin? Or? but today we're going to find yourself. now Brendan. look at us promoting we, <laughs> we have we have eight all eight viewers <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think uh i think that's stereotype it's good keep it up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outside of uh where else have you traveled in in thailand or where would you like what haven't you seen in thailand maybe
1: um, I would like to go, I've, I've been to Chiang Mai, but I would like to go north, like Chiang Rai, that sort of thing. You area. haven't been up there? I haven't. Pi? No. Um, no, that's another one Ooh. I've been told. Oh, no, it's that's, amazing. <gasps> you
0: need to go to Pi. You that's, need to go to Pi.
1: You have an, a, a reaction like that. Everyone always has that same reaction about pie. Yeah, Pi
0: is amazing. Oh, yeah. But it's, uh, I, I don't think you could go now without the tourists because yeah. it, I think everything would just be closed. Like, uh, there's the, you're, uh, you're vegetarian, vegan?
1: uh, whatever that is we
0: won't go down that road but (laughs) the vegan food vegetarian food there is I'm not but I can I I don't mind it if if it's good it is ridiculous there Mm. because it's all it's all grown everything's natural you go to the vegan restaurant and the garden's in the backyard ugh so it sounds amazing. It's really good. The uh, food's amazing, it's man. It's amazing.
2: I went there for three nights and I stayed 12 days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I booked two nights, stayed and yes. no, and let's stay long in this wow. place. There is something here.
0: And yes, it's up it's, in the hills, it's,
1: right? It's quite high.
0: It's no, high it's in hills. a valley. So like in you, a valley, okay. you cross. It's another it's not Thailand. I don't know mm. how to explain it. Like you cross, you start at Chiang Mai and you ride the motorbike. That's the best way to do it if mm. you're comfortable now. Mm-hmm. Because most people will take the mini bus, but the mini bus is like this and they drive like lunatics so and it takes about four or five hours Uh. so by the time you get there you're i i didn't do it but everyone i talked to said you feel a bit sick but on the motorbike four hours nice drive it's gorgeous and it's you you go over the highest point in all of thailand dong intan or something like this I, doi intang
2: yes but Dong tunnel it's in another direction it's yeah it's, but a it's way nearby it's nearby. Like right there. yes right. so you
0: go over this this hill this mountain i guess and then you come into pai mm. and as you enter it you're entering a valley and like as you enter it's like i don't know something the vibrations hit you <laughs> yeah no it's, it's really like in, it, it, no it feels very it's different it's cool. i can't explain it and there, the waterfalls are gorgeous the food's amazing it's really small it's quite quaint oh, um yeah. there's not there's a, a couple places if you want to go have drinks at night that yeah. you can have fun. live
2: music they have really nice live music like locals yeah that plays really good they usually stay in the area like yeah. the i do are yeah.
0: cool I, I usually don't stay at hostels because i'm a princess yeah. but <laughs> I, no i just i need my bed and i need my bathroom i'm with you on that so but <laughs> Actually, what's cool there—the hostels you can go visit for the day, and they're and they're all outdoors and open, so they got fires. You know, it's more of a community there. Yeah. Um. There's a bunch of them, and it's it's amazing. You can yeah. eat a bunch of mushrooms and have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Well, it's on the list. For sure. Yeah, it's a really really cool place. Similar to it's similar to Copenhagen, but without the, the the snake oil The snake no. oil salesman. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's
2: a, it's a, the vibe there is something out of this world. Mm -hmm. You know, you get there, you feel it. Like you said, it's really good. It's really
0: cool. Are there places in in Thailand that you find yourself frequenting, frequently going back to?
1: Yeah, we've gone a couple times to Koh and it's, it's one of those places where it's amazing to travel to. It's amazing to visit, but you come back to Phuket and you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I, I live, I like to live in Phuket, yeah. I like to work and, and play in Copenhagen, but work in, and, and live in, in Phuket. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, travel has been, uh, difficult this last little bit, but I, I just, I want to go, I want to go everywhere. That's, that, that's a difficult thing. I just need the
0: time. Meaning the outside of Thailand or,
1: um, inside of Thailand, you know, I've traveled a couple of places, uh, in Asia as well. Like Bali is obviously, a. uh, uh, Where did
0: you go in Bali?
1: Uh, all around. Like I went to the southern peninsula. I went up to you know L- and then um, what's the one? Ahmed sure. up in the north, and okay. then over to Gili Islands. And yep. I just kind of I was there for a month by myself, so I was just mm. bouncing around. Um, so that I think Bali for me was the most similar that I've been to outside of Phuket. Yeah. Um similar not the same but there was there's yeah, there's nuances that like, are
0: well the, the problem there is the traffic it's not enjoyable to drive a motorbike You're yes. bumper to bumper everywhere and you can just yes. smell the gas
1: that was uh, same with sri lanka sri lanka was beautiful but oh man if you think thai drivers oh. are reckless ooh don't go to sri lanka yeah. they will overtake on a, Were you
0: driving on the motorbike there
1: i uh, there was one beach i think it was like Hikkaduwa. Yes. And uh I we did a very small little motorcycle ride and it was just to like a turtle sanctuary and back but oh gosh I even the taxis you're just you're white knuckling the back. I we that, paid extra for them yeah, to slow down. We paid extra for them to go a little bit slower because That's cuz there terrified. are no side
0: roads. Everything's a main road. Uh oh, yeah, gosh. I've been there. It's crazy. Yeah. But,
1: but also really beautiful. It was just oh, again, amazing. couldn't live there
0: because the roads no traffic yeah even places like hikadua it's still a little bit underdeveloped but like places like hikadua it's you have a main road and then you kind of just turn off it but i mean it's essentially their highway yes so when you you can't when you go out to walk to other areas it's dangerous there's trucks flying by at 100 kilometers an hour
1: and your hotel will be right on that road like it's 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 just right there so yeah yeah, it was it, uh, there's I, I want to travel around Asia again once.
0: Where where else to, or, what's on the list if 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 quarantine and you know countries open up, what's your first go to uh in Southeast Asia or Asia?
1: Um oh man, that is so hard to say. I'd really like to go to Japan. Ah, I'd like to go there. Okay. I just uh that's on the list. I'd like to um there is a point in where is the Oh
0: probably my probably Mike gosh. has to Oh yeah, Slide um, There you go.
1: Uh, Bor- Borneo, Borneo, yeah.
0: Borneo would be yeah. cool. Um, for the hiking, you for the to, hiking. There, There's a famous hike to uh, the top of a volcano, volcano or volcano. Yeah. yeah,
1: going back to Bali would be cool. I'd like to go on the northeast side. I didn't, I didn't touch any of that, but I'd like to go to the volcanoes. There's hot springs. It's like it's like you're on Mars. Mm-hmm. It was really bizarre driving through there. i was like what? It's a huge this? island. Like, massive yeah.
0: but it's there's massive. nothing much like once you kind of leave the changu kuda mm. Uluwatu. there's nothing really like it's it's on it's not under you have ubud but like yeah. all these other areas like way up in the north of bali like i can't imagine there's much tourism up
1: there there isn't much tourism but there is amazing snorkeling the beaches have yeah. that black sand like you're you feel like you're out of this world you're not in the Kuta, Seminyak, you know, standard yeah, Bali. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: that's like comparable to Bangla. Like, Seminyak, Kuta is like our Bangla.
1: That's so funny. We were just talking about. Yeah, Kuta would be like the.
0: Kuta is the, the Bangla. Seminyak <laughs> would, I guess, maybe more like Sarin? Yes. Or I guess how Kata. Sarin was. Ch- how Sarin was yeah, back yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of Chantilly. Yeah uh yes. including serene seminyak seminyak it's very it's more high standard it's like all the beach clubs like maybe madonna Laguna. you'll see like footballers there and yeah. Yeah. And yeah and i think ubud Laguna. would
1: be uh, Naiharin. uh
0: Naiharin, Rawai Rawai Rawai. Area, yes. even like chengu
2: uh, chengu no? chengu
0: chengu a little a little mix of
1: yeah it's a it's yeah. blend it's hard to
0: say Yeah, chengu is cool it's uh, my only problem with bali was the traffic Like I've been there four times and every time I go there, I I go, why am I here? Mm. And it's not that it's because I'm in Phuket already, which (laughs) is like a holiday. And then I go there and it's like, it's not like if you're trying to connect from Seminyak to Changu. it's like, especially at times of the day, it's these strange little paths and it's bumper to bumper. Yeah, And then it's funny when you come back to Phuket and then you get on your motorbike leaving the airport, you're like, oh, wait a minute.
1: (laughs) I have freedom. I can drive.
0: That was my only qualm with with Bali was just like getting between places was you're always in traffic, even like when you're going to the nice waterfalls. Like it's never just smooth sailing. No, no. That was my only issue. But apparently what I didn't realize, the island has four million people.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: So it's not it's like a city on an island. Which wow. is, it's gorgeous. It's just that was the only, the only issue I had with it, getting around, but I'm uh, whatever. I'm yeah. You know, princess. <laughs> well,
1: I'm sure it'll be different now. That's the other thing I'm really curious about, what's going to happen once the restrictions start lifting, once travel, uh, you know, starts happening again. What is it going to be like? Are the tourists going to come back right away? I think it's going to be quite nice in the beginning. There isn't going to be so many people, so you get those.
0: I think they're going to, you're going to see a lot of visa uh better visa options open. I hope so. I think so. Like these yeah. digital nomad visas. This is starting I think this is starting in Phuket now. Yeah. Uh, digital nomad visas. Just so it will be easier for people to come stay longer and making yeah. that process easier.
1: I hope so. I think it's so. it's a pain in the yeah. butt before to get to get here and to stay. You know, the whole process is just jump through the hoops, jump through the hoops, jump through the
0: hoops. So you you, you want to go to Japan anywhere in particular?
1: No, I, d- I would like to go skiing. Skiing in Japan. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be pretty awesome. I'm, honestly, I'm, I, I'll, I'll go anywhere at this point. Yeah. After not being able to travel, you're just like, oh my gosh, give me anything. Give me whatever. I'll, yeah. I'll go. go to, I'll, I'll go to China. Like, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> like the most like, boring humdrum pays. I'll be like, yes, like, send me there. I yeah. just need something <laughs> just different. And just, then come back to Phuket, of course. Maybe
0: just go, just find yourself playing around on... Uh, uh, <laughs> what is it the sky scanner that might, yeah. bring, <laughs> it might make you feel better yeah, <laughs> just exactly. look at tickets for an hour oh. it's like
1: window shopping oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. you don't have
0: to buy just play around on the website of it uh what time okay i'm 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 getting hungry now yeah that's what uh, happened that's why i said when you do the podcast this later i gets too hungry i don't yeah. last longer uh okay um we'll close out now yeah, i never know which i'm looking at this camera awesome Okay, um, so we'll just end this uh, with what we're about and who we are. We explained this at the start of the show. We are Fruiting Body Mushrooms, but again, we're not just a medicinal mushroom company. Um, we're, we're here to connect people of Phuket and tell their stories, but we'll also uh, dig a little bit deeper outside of that as well. Um, we'll be doing some, sometimes we will do remote um, uh, let's say podcast, but that's when we can get more people that are not able to come to the country and maybe scientists involved in the medicinal mushroom stuff. We didn't really talk, we haven't really talked too much about the mushroom aspect of uh, on the podcast too much yet, but that's not really our intention. Our intention is to bring people living on the island and to allow people outside of the island, wherever you are, to connect with them, hear their stories and see, um, As Kyle said, seeing through the lens of Phuket, Um, which Kyle, Kyle he's in the background. You can't see him, but he's he's our copywriter. Um, So we are selling medicinal mushrooms. We're Fruiting Body. You can find us on Instagram at Fruiting Body Mushrooms. We have our YouTube channels for Fruiting Body Podcast. Um, We also have a YouTube channel, uh, Fruiting Body, as well. The Fruiting Body brand It's touching upon an array of concepts. We're doing podcasts, Muay Thai events, uh, charity events, beach cleans, getting involved in orphanages on the island of Phuket. We'll be getting involved in soy dog and other things like this. Um, We'll also be diving into the people of Phuket, connecting people's stories on the lifestyle more visually so you can uh, expand outside of the podcast. And we hope with Kara we, we can plan to do that in the future. Now I'm looking here. Oh, my God. Okay, um, so again, find us at Fruiting Body Mushrooms. Uh, we can plug Kara Bishop's um, uh, company, uh, ra- sh- Shine. I couldn't get it. Shining, Shining Star. So we'll, we'll we'll put some information of that in the description, I think, as well. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to watch the full video on YouTube, come visit our channel, Fruiting Body Podcast. We can also be found on Instagram at fruiting body podcast please be sure to share and follow this podcast with friends and family thank you very much